We're going to jump into the Word tonight. Um, what we are focusing on uh, is Acts chapter 2. Uh, Acts chapter 2 is... I love Acts chapter 2. Um, but Acts chapter 2... Um, Maybe some people see it as controversial. Not everybody necessarily agrees. Um, But God kept bringing me back to Acts chapter 2. And so we're going to look at um, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came in and filled them and baptized them. It says uh, in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 6, you can swipe open your Bible application uh, if you so choose. Uh, You can just listen. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So the context here is the disciples have just finished a three-year ride of a lifetime with Jesus. They've been his best friends and they've gotten to know him like family. They have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They've come face to face with God in the flesh They've learned from him, walked with him, talked with him, laughed with him, cried with him. They saw him heal and lead and preach and teach. And then Jesus taught them to go and do the same. He turned their worldview completely upside down and showed them the upside down kingdom where to lead you must follow him and to live you have to die to your own desires when they conflict with his. He laid waste to chaos and brought peace in its place. And then Jesus died. He didn't just die. He was murdered, literally capital punishment. He was crucified like a criminal between two criminals on either side. Their leader was literally publicly humiliated. The worst way you could die. In spite of watching their leader and savior be ridiculed publicly and be killed, they would soon learn that the degradation that Jesus put himself through, allowed himself to go through on the cross, allowed him to change the course of human history literally forever. After dying that day, for a few days, it seemed like all hope was lost. But three days later, he came back. He got up, he took off the grave clothes, rolled the burden of death away, and walked out that tomb. He visited his best friends. He spent some time chilling with them, talking with them, loving on them. And then he walked back to where he had come from. He left earth to go back to heaven, but not before giving two things, a purpose and a promise, a purpose and a promise. He told them to go tell everyone everywhere all the time about him. And then he said, I'll be with you forever and I will send the gift. In essence, he says, I'm sending you to continue what I have started, what you have watched me do, what I showed you how to do. Continue where I left off, and I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send help from heaven. 
In Acts 1.8, just before this, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples were left with a momentous adventure, with no clue how to move forward. And what's more, they felt probably like they were far from God. They were no longer face to face with God in the flesh. Because so far as they could see, he was gone. Even though he'd said, I will be with you always. He says that, and then it seems like he leaves. And then we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of Acts chapter 2. This chunk of scripture that we're delving into says that the believers were together. It's an interesting word for us to look at, especially because we're not together right now. I wish that I could be with you guys. I wish that we could literally hold hands in prayer. I wish we could laugh together in person. I wish we could roll out them tables and have dinner together afterwards. But the circumstances don't allow us to. But it's important for us to know that the word together is less about physical proximity than it is emotional and spiritual connectedness. In this moment, we can't be together physically, but we can be together heart to heart, spirit to spirit. We can be in one accord here and now in this moment. We can be a church home even now because home is a truth. Home is not a place. A house is a place. A home is an ideology. A home is a reality. A home is something deeper, something more. So in this moment, we get to be together in spirit. The reality is, is that sometimes even when you can be together with people in person, you can still feel alone. Maybe you're that person who can be in a room full of people, in a crowd, and still feel painfully alone because you are miles away from people emotionally and spiritually. The connection that they were looking for wasn't person-to-person connection. They were looking for divine-to-human connection. They wanted to connect to God, to reconnect, to receive the gift that they were promised in that upper room. And so they are waiting for the gift. They're waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but they don't even know that that's what it is yet. They don't know specifically what it is that they're waiting for. But they know that they're waiting for a reconnection. And in that moment of togetherness, they wait for for the fulfillment of a promise that God had made. They waited patiently, focused on God. Sometimes God moves And we don't even notice because we're not paying attention. Someone once said, there are burning bushes everywhere. But only who sees takes notice and and, and takes off his shoes. The rest of everyone else just sits around and, and plucks blackberries. There are burning bushes everywhere. There are moments that are full of the presence of God. And this one was special. This one was different. Sometimes God literally moves heaven and earth to get our attention, to reconnect, just like he did when he sent Jesus, God in flesh and blood. And even then, when Jesus was walking around this earth physically and talking to people and interacting with them, still people at that time, many didn't recognize him. 
God literally moves heaven and earth, and sometimes we still miss it. Sometimes we don't see him for who he is. And in the upper room that day, when the Holy Spirit showed up, there was a sound. There was a sound. The Greek word used in the original manuscripts for sound is akos, which means sound or noise. But it's interesting to me, I love that the Greek word akos really closely resembles our English word for echo, because the sound is really an echo of something else. Uh, when we hear something, we're hearing the sound that that thing produces. We're not hearing the thing itself, an echo of something that we are looking for. And so the sound that they heard was an echo of the God that they had come to know. It was the sound of the return of the king. It was the sound of the Holy Spirit of God. The sound was not God himself. Rather, it was an echo of him. And the sound was what first signified in that moment that something was different, that something was changing, that the, the presence of Holy Spirit had entered that moment. The sound of a rushing wind is what told them that the Holy Spirit was there. The sound of a wind, a powerful, some would say even violent wind. So the question that I have for you right now, wherever you are, is can you hear the sound? Do you know what the presence of God sounds like? Because hearing the sound is what comes first before the experience. And I don't mean hearing a literal sound. I mean hearing it in your heart, hearing the presence of God, feeling the echo of his presence, the spiritual reverberation that comes when the Holy Spirit is inhabiting a moment that the Holy Spirit is here. Can you hear the echo? It's no accident that the sound that they heard was the sound of a blowing of a violent wind or a rushing wind, depending on your translation. The mode of communication is, is indicative of one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, and that is that the Holy Spirit is like a force of nature, figuratively speaking. The Holy Spirit cannot be put in a box, cannot be forecasted, cannot be predicted, cannot be tamed. The Holy Spirit exemplifies the sheer beauty, mystery, power, and uncontrollable nature of God. It sounded like a wind so strong that it would have moved things that it came into contact with. A wind so strong that it would rearrange, shake up, stir and change, that this wind would bring a freshness. That is what the Holy Spirit did for me. It rearranged my worldview, my priorities. It shook the dust off, stirred me up, gave me a new passion for God, changed literally the way that I lived my life and gave my faith a freshness and a sweetness that I never thought possible. When the Holy Spirit came on that day in Acts chapter 2, the room got loud. The spiritual atmosphere, as it were, got windy. But to take it all in, they had to be ready. They had to posture themselves before God. They needed to be paying attention, waiting with a sense of expectancy to receive the gift that God had promised. In Jewish tradition, wind, fire, and inspired speech all denoted or signified the presence of God. And so here in Acts 2, all three of these things are present. Wind, fire, and inspired speech. God is trying to show us that something so big 
is happening here, something momentous. This gift that God sends has a very clear sender. The author of the book of Acts is retelling a story in such a way as to let us know that the sound that they heard was not of human origin. Uh, it was from heaven. Luke is telling us that this event was not a feeling, not an inanimate force, not an energy, not good vibes, uh, not some sort of psychosomatic experience, some sort of emotional high. It wasn't man-made or manufactured. Rather, it was from heaven. This was real. This was something that only God could do. Only God could give because the Holy Spirit is a gift. It is given by God to me and to you. It can't be demanded, but it has to be thankfully received. The gift and the sender are ready to give. What God is waiting for is for the intended recipients, for me and for you to pay attention and to receive. The words for Holy Spirit here in this passage in the original Greek manuscripts are pneumatos hagioi, uh, from which we get the root words pneuma, meaning wind and spirit, and hagios, which means set apart by or for God, holy and sacred. So together, they represent, they speak about the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes people in Greek would, would kind of shorten it and just refer to pneuma. Luke is clear that the who is special. The who is not just a wind. The who is not just like a spirit. Rather, this who that is being given as the gift is the Holy Spirit, is the one that was promised, is an equal part of the triune God. Now I know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Get to the good stuff. Talk about them tongues. Luke goes on to write that they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. It says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Tongues sometimes becomes the focus of this passage. And people blow through everything else and they're like, ah, tongues. Tongues is not meant to be the focal point of this passage of scripture. Uh, tongues is not the gift. Tongues is a gift. The point of this event, the meaning of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the meaning of Acts 2, what happened on that day, the day of Pentecost, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift. Tongues is a gift that is the initial physical evidence of that experience, of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Meaning that when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, when they are filled, when they experience what the early church experienced in Acts chapter 2, um, still today, people speak in other tongues. Um, myself and many other people believe that, that that is how the baptism of the Holy Spirit is always physically evidenced. Um, not everybody agrees with that. That's okay. There are two kinds of tongues, xenolalia and glossolalia. Xenolalia is the kind of tongues that we read about in this passage. Xenolalia is the tongues or languages of men, 
so intelligible languages, and glossolalia is known as the tongues of angels, so unintelligible languages, languages that nobody on earth understands in and of themselves, unless there is an interpretation given. The purpose of tongues is prayer, communication about and to God. The form that we see here in Acts 2, like I said, is the first. And we know that, that they were speaking intelligible languages because the scripture says that other people gathered around as they started to hear what was going on. And they heard the word of God, the good news about Jesus Christ being preached, being spoken in their own languages. In other words, the early church, the people that were in that room, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak a language that they themselves did not naturally have any knowledge of for the purpose of sharing the good news. So it's not just like a random thing. It has a specific purpose. Tongues is basically the Holy Spirit praying through someone, interceding through someone, often without the speaker, the person who has been filled, knowing what they are saying. There is so much that we could say about the gift of tongues. So much. We could do a multi-part series on that. However, uh, there's not enough time for that right now. We are going to try and do a Q&A at the end. So if you can drop uh, questions that you may have uh, into the comments, or I think there's like a little question feature. We're going to have a Q&R um, at the end. If this uh, if this live stream times out, we will stop and restart for a Q&R and you can rejoin and we can uh, dialogue back and forth about um, any questions that you might have, if you have them. What God really laid on my heart and what I want us to focus on here this evening is the word filled. The word filled. The Greek word used comes from the original root word, pletho. Pletho means to furnish, to accomplish, to fill, to fulfill, to supply, and to complete. To complete. The people in that upper room that day, they were filled. They were completed. They were supplied with power from heaven. They were fulfilled so that God's work could be accomplished in them and through them. Their spiritual lives were furnished, as it were. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The baptism of the Holy Spirit brings a deeper connection with and to God and catalyzes faith to be consumed voraciously and shared intentionally and constantly. Here's what I mean. When I was about 13 years old, I went to a Christian camp. Uh, it was seven days that consisted of church services twice a day, morning and night. And the church services um, were uh, intense prayer, uh, incredible worship, challenging messages, uh, and then the rest of the week was a lot of like crazy games and junk food and teenagers flirting with each other and that kind of thing. Uh, I had this absolutely incredible experience during one of those services when I was 13 years old. Uh, I went to the altar, to, to, to the front of the room, as it were, 
and, and I began to pray and worship, and I began to ask God for the gift that I believe his word promises us here in Acts chapter 2. I began to ask God, please give me this gift that you have promised, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I began to worship and to pray and to cry out to God. And all of the sudden, everything changed. I remember as I was praying, all of a sudden my, my words changed from English into something that I didn't understand. Uh, they sounded probably to anybody else like gibberish. And I didn't know what I was saying, but I knew that I was saying something powerful. That, that something important was being said through me. And, and as that began to happen, as I began to speak in tongues, I began to cry. And, and not even just like, oh, that's so beautiful, but like a like ugly kind of crying, snuggers, boogers everywhere. Um, I got really emotional. And the reason that I got emotional is because in that moment, when God gave me the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I began to feel so much joy, more joy than I'd ever felt in my entire life. I felt a peace more than I've ever felt in my entire life. I felt connected. I felt completed. I felt at home. I felt more at home in that moment than I ever had in my entire life. I knew that I was smack dab in the middle of where I was supposed to be. And while I was still in control of myself, I could have stopped at any point. I didn't want to. I wanted that moment to last forever and forever and forever. See, walking into that experience, I was already a Christian. So I knew God's presence, but this was something different, something that I'd never experienced before. And in Acts chapter 2, that was something different that Christians had never experienced before. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is different from and comes after salvation. They're two different experiences. When you decide to follow Jesus, um, you make that incredible decision and join this adventure. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. But this experience that we're looking at, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, spirit baptism, being filled with the Holy Spirit is different. It is more. It is you being fulfilled. It is the promise being fulfilled. It is you being supplied. It is you and me being completed. What came after that moment was me being catalyzed. This massive change, I was stirred up and the furniture in my life was completely rearranged. I had a newfound deep desire to consume God's word. I had a newfound deep desire to spend time in his presence, to pray, to worship, just all on my own by myself. I wanted to tell everyone everywhere all the time about Jesus Christ. And it gave me a courage that I did not have before. If you knew me when I was much younger, I had a really bad stutter. A really bad stutter. And I remember when I was a kid thinking, I will never speak in front of people. I can't do it. It's not on my nature. It's not something that I was made for. And I pigeonholed myself and said, God, this is what you can do with me and nothing more. 
But as I got to know God and he expanded that pigeonhole picture that I had created for myself, and as I came to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God began to change me and catalyze me and call me and lead me to do things that I am not capable of doing on my own. You, wherever you are, I am looking at you. God has called you to something that you are not capable of doing on your own. Spirit baptism is help from heaven. I was catalyzed and God wants to catalyze you. It was like the Holy Spirit caused this chemical reaction in my life. The wonderful things about catalysts is that they spur on change in everything else that's around them. So when you get set ablaze, the other things and people that are around you come to gather closer to see the light, to see what is burning, to see what is happening, to feel what is going on with you in your life. And as they come closer and they sense and they hear and they feel the presence of God, that catalyst reaction expands. And that is what we see happen in the early church, that God called them to do things that they could not do on their own, that they became emboldened, that they became more courageous to share Jesus all the time, everywhere, with anyone that they met. Later on in chapter 2, Luke writes that they also kind of took on this unusual to us generosity and communal sense among themselves. The scripture says that they shared all of their possessions. If anyone had need, they gave it. That is uncommon in our time, in our day and age. But the Holy Spirit brings radical change that switches up our priorities and makes our lives vastly different than they ever would have been. In this moment in history, you might feel more alone than you ever have. We are on quarantine or social isolation, self, uh, self-isolate, whatever it is that we're calling it, um, this is a time in human history where we are kind of forced to be more physically alone, maybe um, now more so than any time in my lifetime, certainly, and in a long time. And so we have millions upon millions of people that are feeling alone, like nobody cares, nobody sees them, nobody understands what I'm going through. Where are you right now in your life? Are you scared? Are you anxious? Are you worried? God sees you. He hears you. The whole reason that that God wanted me to talk about this this evening was specifically that God wants to give a gift. I understand these are tumultuous times. Now more than ever, we need a deeper connectedness with the Spirit of God. I know I do. And so God wants to give us a gift that will cause your faith to go to new depths that you never knew possible, that will give you a boldness and an ability to share your faith in a way that maybe you never have before, that God will remove obstacles that were in your life, and he will enable you to live the best possible version of your life that he made you. So whether you're in the valley or you're in the mountaintop, God sees you. He hears you. 
And I know that his presence is so real and so vibrant and so sweet that I want each and every one of you guys that are tuned in, I want you to experience this. I want you to have the gift. So when this stream is done, I'm going to encourage you to do something maybe that you've never done before. I'm going to encourage you to uh, be by yourself if you're not already. Go into your room, close your door, and I'm going to encourage you to seek God and to wait on him. In this moment, where you are, once this live stream is over, there is no lights. There is no sound system, no worship team, no stage, no lasers or smoke. There is zero hype. But God does not need a hype man to do what he does. God does not need a stage or any sort of production to accomplish his will for your life. And I understand that you might be by yourself in this moment, but I promise you that God is with you in your place and in your space. So I'm going to encourage you to go by yourself after this stream and to enter into a time of worship. I'm going to encourage you to spend some time by yourself in prayer. Tell God why you love him, how you feel about him. Express, maybe throw on some worship music with your headphones and worship God by yourself. Offer up a sacrifice of praise. Declare who he is and ask him to give you this gift. It's not complicated. It doesn't have to be this big, massive, really complicated, hard thing. It's God has a gift that he wants to give you. He wants to get closer, deeper into your life. God wants to give a gift. Ask and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Pray and if you don't receive it, pray again and pray again and pray again because guys, I, God, I want you to have this. I want you to be propelled forward to that next level in your faith. I love you. And for you to live your best life that we talk about as young adults all the time to live your best life, you need to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is not a part of your salvation. It doesn't make you any more or less saved. But God has a plan for your life that you are not capable of doing on your own. That is good news. It is exciting and terrifying all at the same time. But for you to live your best life, to live the abundant life that Jesus talked about, you need to receive the gift. I want you to receive this gift. You get to decide. You get to make the decision. But ultimately, what God wanted me to share with you guys is that he wants to give. That he wants more of you and he wants to give you more of himself. If your well is feeling dry, offer up a sacrifice of praise. If you are scared and anxious, terrified, petrified, offer up a sacrifice of praise. And in these moments, it is a sacrifice to praise because we don't want to praise. But whether or not I feel like it, I recognize that my feelings are fickle. And I will not trust in my feelings. I will trust in the promises of God. 
I love you guys. Let's pray. And then we are going to, because you only got 60 minutes to stream, uh, I'm going to stop this stream and we're going to start another one where Giselle is going to facilitate a Q&R. She has some questions that uh, you guys have kind of talked about in past. Let's pray together and then we'll have a bit of a Q&R. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this incredible family of students, God, from all across the GTA, wherever we are. Maybe some people are joining from different parts in the world. Father, I thank you that we are one body with many parts. Each of us, you have given different gifts, but each of us, you have called according to your purpose. And I also thank you that the purpose that you have called us to is greater than our own ability. And so I ask in Jesus' name, Father, that you would bestow this gift that you would bestow the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that as these incredible students, as my family later on this evening, go off by themselves to, to ask for this gift, to pray believing that they can receive, Father, I ask that you would give it. And Father, I ask that we would see a, a group and a family and a movement of young adults that are catalyzed by your profound presence. I thank you that you are the source and the key and the well of the abundant life. So, Father, may your living rain pour down. In Jesus' name I pray.